Once they see if the device works properly, they'll release me. I very much doubt it. You see, before you reactivated it, I reversed the polarity of the neutron flow. You did what? You realize what will happen? Oh, yes. You? Well, there'll be a massive reverse feedback into their whole power system. Exactly. In about um, ten minutes from now, the whole place should go up. Enjoy your revenge. Thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And today we are talking about the Sea Devils. <laughs> Yar! The Sea Devils be written by Malcolm the Hulk. <laughs> Directed by Michael Bryant, produced by Barry Letts. And aired February 26th, 1972 to April 1st, 1972. Now, Mac, you're going to be proud of me. Mm. I think I recognize the name Malcolm Hulk. Oh, yeah? Okay, name one episode that he's written. I don't know what he wrote, but I do recognize (laughs) the name. Well, at least you recognize it. (laughs) But yes, you are right. Malcolm Hulk is a uh, repeat offender here. He has written The Faceless Ones, The War Games, Doctor Who and the Silurians. He did some rewrites for the Ambassadors of Death, and he wrote Colony in Space. So a bit of a mixed bag. Two of those are bangers. Two of those are bangers. One of those I thought was pretty good. Yeah, I like Ambassadors. And I like Silurians. Well, I like I also like Ambassadors. For what it's worth, they're both in my top five, but we have we have eleven under our belt, so really the only one of note is the Demons, which is right smack dab in the middle and is the only story that isn't in a top five or bottom five (laughs) so (laughs) so yeah so it's so malcolm hulk's a bit of a mixed bag but the sea devils is a very interesting title i'm interested to see what you do with it caleb uh given everything you know about doctor who and given the title of this episode the sea devils what do you think this episode is going to be about there's like an oil drilling company and they're and they're doing some drilling and a scientist is like there's this strange fissure called the marianas trench and if we if we do too much drilling it might do some bad stuff and the oil executive like shut the fuck up nerd uh and then uh then they crack open the marianas trench and all the sea monsters that were f legend roll on out of it and they need the doctor to help and he's all like we'll reverse the neutral polarity (laughs) And send them back to hell where they belong. You know, I think that's the most Doctor Who story that you've pitched so far. (laughs) That seems to be the most accurate (laughs) you've pitched so far. I have no idea whether it's actually true to this story or not, because I don't really remember what the story is about. But that seems like the most classic Who story pitch (laughs) that you've given so far. It's set on an oil rig. There's a nerd saying they shouldn't do it, but they're doing it anyway. And then a monster comes out of the drill. <laughs> and the doctor fixes it. That's the story of at least two other episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
See, that's what I gotta do. I gotta stop trying to be original. I just need to, like, think of something that's already happened and just, like, move it around a little bit. I mean, kinda. (laughs) (laughs) Just be like, it's Fury from the Deep again. It's just... (laughs) It's just Fury from the Deep again. (laughs) It's Fury from the Deep, but on Earth. It's probably just Fury from the Deep again, and then Doctor Who over here is like, oh my god, we copied it one time. (laughs) (laughs) I do regret to inform you, though, Caleb, that this is a six-parter. In fact, I'm pretty sure the next couple are six-parters. Oh my god. Matt, you said this was going to average out to four. It will. I, I, I don't see how the math is adding up. It will, because partway through the fourth Doctor is when they no longer have six-parters. And then there is a very long stretch of the show where they have nothing but two-parters. So it kind of averages out so that it has an average oh. of four. <laughs> so it's just, what you're saying is like it's front-loaded with all the long episodes, and then the back end is all the two-parters. Kind of. But, like, between... They no longer have six, and they're starting to do a lot of two-parters. It's pretty much nothing but four-parters. <laughs> All right. We'll get there, Caleb. We'll get we'll there. Get Don't there. worry. We'll it's, this, is a, this is a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm wondering. I mean, like, we are, we are in the third season. It has been a three-season stint thing for the Doctors, so. Are we in the third? We are. We are in the third season. Huh. Th- yeah. Third, third season, yes. Uh- <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm actually genuinely curious about this. I'm not going to tell you whether you're right or wrong or not. I'm just curious. How many episodes do you think the third Doctor has? What, we're all, this will be the 12th one, right? This will be the 12th one, yeah. Keeping in mind, fir- the first had 28, the second had 21. How many do you, think, do you think the third will have? 18. Okay. Again, I will not tell you whether you're right or wrong, but... Yeah, I know. Don't spoil the fun, but... I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just curious. But it has been like a three-season thing, so... Yeah. And we are in season nine so i feel like it's coming up (laughs) we shall see okay i suppose on that note we will see you all in the future let's get going And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was six days for us. I love it when that happens. An episode of the day, baby. I love it when that happens. <laughs> uh, so we watched an episode. An episode. Well, unfortunately, what I really wanted to happen uh, didn't happen for very long, and Day of the Daleks was kicked off the bottom five list. (laughs) Because I I would say that this episode, just quality-wise, is on the same level of Day of the Daleks. The thing that made it go below Day of the Daleks is the fact that it's a (laughs) six-parter. It's a six-parter, and boy, does it feel like it. Boy, does it feel like it. There are things, uh, we'll talk about why it's so much like the Silurians yeah. throughout the episode. There are things that I like about it more than I like the Silurians. And then there's things that it does the same as the Silurians, which makes me not like it. So I didn't like it as much as the Silurians. One of my biggest complaints about the Silurians was that completely unnecessary epidemic subplot 
Mm-hmm. And it seems like this episode is they took that and they took the epidemic subplot out of it, but didn't replace it with anything. <laughs> yep. When I went to write the notes for this episode, I was looking at TARDIS wiki. I was like, oh, yeah. I was wondering why I felt like nothing was happening. Because even TARDIS wiki admits that nothing happened. <laughs> the summary for episode three on TARDIS wiki is two paragraphs long. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> I think that one's... Hold on. There there was one that I was like, oh boy. Yeah. Episode three. That one. That one's the one that has the least number of notes, and I comment on that. <laughs> so yeah, it's just the Silurians again. It's not even like it's like the base plot. It's not the base plot again. It is literally the Silurians. Almost exactly. I will say this though. I like the design of the Sea Devils a lot more than the design of the Silurians. Oh, 100%. That's one of the things they do better. I actually do really like the design of the of the Sea Devils. I like their little fucking disc guns. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that being said, the only note that I have before we go is that this is the first appearance of the Sea Devils. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my no God. <laughs> what a surprise. But, yeah, I, I guess I can't really talk much more until we get into it. Yeah, so let's go ahead and do that, shall we? Let's dig in. Episode 1. There seems to be a problem on a submarine or something, and some guy lets out the sneeziest scream ever before an unknown creature gets to him. The Joe and Doctor appear surprisingly early. They visit a prison island where the Master is being held. They meet the man in charge, Trenchard, who assures them he has everything under control. Things seem to be going very well. Almost too well. The Master wastes no time in revealing he's in control of everyone at the facility. While there, the Doctor also encounters the strange monster responsible for the attacks. Joe is begging the Doctor to leave, but he has to figure out what is going on. Just then, Joe notices something quickly approaching them. Did you say that he went over to the the other place? Oh yeah, he went to the naval base or whatever. I kind of spitballed this one, so... <laughs> yeah, because he went, he went to the prison, then he went to the naval base, and the naval base was basically like, Now Doctor, don't go over to this sea fort where all the attacks have been happening, and he's like, okay. So then he goes over to the sea Okay, fort. fine, yeah, yeah, he has to go figure that out. Yeah, 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 Does anything really happen, though? Well, it's just that your summary made it sound like he encountered the monsters at the prison, and I just wanted to make sure that everyone knew that's not what happened. Yeah, you're right, you're right. In my defense, uh, the TARDIS wiki for episode one is like four and a half pages long, <laughs> and I didn't want to read all of it again, and I couldn't remember what happened that well. That is absolutely fair. I was like, yeah, there was something about him being underground and a sea monster and two guys who will literally not shut the fuck up. But before we continue, we got to address the most important thing about this entire episode. Joe's fucking pantsuit looks awesome. <laughs> it is like a white suit with some dark purple accents and she's wearing a dark uh, turtleneck sweater underneath it. And it looks fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode begins with us gushing about Joe's outfit of the week. Hey, when she looks good, she looks good. <laughs> when it's on, it's on. It feels a little weird. It almost, it almost feels like we need to have a um, a Doctor Who prison facility, like the raft in Marvel or something like that, where it's yeah. like all the worst villains go. Because right now it seems like this entire prison is just for the Master. It seems like a little bit of overkill. He <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that threatening. And also, like, he has, he is like a known terrorist, has 
tried to kill the entire world, has successfully killed several people. Feel like the death penalty should be brought up at some point. <laughs> Sometimes th the death penalty is allowed. <laughs> I have two notes right at the beginning. So there's this summary going on, like this guy's like radioing, and he's like, we need help, something's attacking us. And then like he looks off screen and he sees something. And then I say he has the sneeziest scream, because he literally goes, eh! and just sounds like he doesn't go, <laughs> <laughs> and he just goes, eh! and I don't know, I thought that was funny. My note about that guy's scream is, I always find this really hilarious, is any time like, the character clearly sees the monster, beat, 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 scream. It's like, why did you wait so long to scream? <laughs> he, his mind was breaking, Mac. I guess. And then the other note I have for the beginning of this episode is, Jesus Christ, the doctor got there fast. I mean, I don't know. I feel like, especially the last couple episodes, it has been several minutes before we've seen the doctor. But in this, I felt like it was like four or five lines, guy screams, hard cut to the doctor on a boat. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know of definitely some other episodes that have waited a lot longer. I guess it hasn't really clicked with me in recent episodes that it's taken a while to get to the doctor. It does with me. Especially in the last episode we watched, like, where we watched the very long politics of Peladon. And then the doctor arrived. That is true. And that's usually how it's been. It's like, there's, like, a whole scene... And then the doctor arrives. Whereas here, it was just, a guy said five lines, screamed, and then the doctor arrived. I was like, that was really fast, actually. Yeah, it it usually sets up the scenario, and then the monkey wrench named the doctor gets thrown into it, and that's how it usually works. Or we just open on the doctor. Yeah. So it's it's either a long break before the doctor, or the doctor immediately. Not yeah. this very quick interlude, and then the doctor. Yes. I'd like to take a moment to really appreciate the casting of... Uh, uh, Roger Delgado, um, because the warden, Trenchard, he assures the doctor that all of the guards there have been have been conditioned and are immune to his hypnosis. And to prove it, he sends a guard in to check on the master. The master notes that it's a new guard that he's never seen before, and he, like, tries to do his you-will-obey-me thing. And, man, they really picked the best casting choice for this, because... He knows how to do, like, the wide, crazy eyes. <laughs> Give him the lazy eye. <laughs> and on the note of the guards, all don't worry, all the guards and myself are all immune to his control. But as far as the warden is concerned, the doctor and Joe aren't. So why are they being left alone with him? This isn't a very good high security prison. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it is the doctor. He's the guy who caught him. Surely, surely the doctor has a reputation. But also when Church is said that, he's like, I have two men who are immune to the master's effects. It's like, that makes no fucking sense, but okay. And then, spoiler, about five minutes later, it's revealed that the master has all of them under his control. I'm like, oh, I'm so shocked. This is such a stunning revelation. Okay, but does he, though? Does he have them under mind control, or did he just convince them to work for him? I think he convinced Trenchard. At least Trenchard doesn't seem hypnotized. Trenchard doesn't seem hypnotized. It's weird to me that you have a character whose whole shtick is that he can control human minds. And then he has subverted the prison that he's been locked into. 
and is now basically in charge of it, and it's not through his mind control. Seems odd. I don't know. I got the impression that he had everyone under mind control, except maybe Trenchard, or maybe he was so mind controlled he thought he wasn't. See, that's what I thought at first. I thought he had them all under mind control, but like as the story goes on, it seems like Trenchard is actually working of his own free will and was just convinced to work with this known terrorist. It's like Uno reverse card Stockholm Syndrome. I guess. I don't know. It's weird. I was a little confused as to why they were visiting him in the first place. Doe implies that it's because the doctor was secretly worried about him, but I wasn't really convinced. He kind of implies that they weren't friends or something. Or yeah. Or that he has known the master for a long time. Yeah. Which I think they kind of implied that in his introductory episode. Maybe. I don't remember. I will note that when the doctor sees the... Trenchard's like, ah, yes, the master, he's fine. Look at this video of him. And the first thing the doctor says is, he's put on a little weight. I'm like, fuck you, doctor. All right, fuck off. <laughs> Why are you such an asshole all the time? I mean, I kind of love it about you. but. And then they actually go in to meet the master, and he's fucking doing, like, a rowing machine. Yeah, which, like, okay. Okay, I want him to take off his sweater and just be jacked. <laughs> I want, yeah, just pull an iroh from Avatar. <laughs> yeah, I should have a neck tattoo. <laughs> despite the fact that (laughs) despite the fact that he is the only prisoner in this entire facility he still has a teardrop tattoo (laughs) (laughs) okay so then they they begin to leave he's talking to the boatman that took them to the island it's like i'm wondering if you might allow me to go to this other place that I want to go to, this naval base. And the boatman is like, Sorry, sir, I was only paid to take you from here to there. And the doctor's like, Oh, okay. And then, like, takes out some money and hands it to him, and he's like, Thank you, sir! (laughs) And the doctor (laughs) takes his boat. We will be on our way. (laughs) And then later, Joe needs to get somewhere, and she just hands him money and takes his motorcycle. (laughs) It's like, it's kind of refreshing to see a guy just so open to bribes. <laughs> <laughs> I will do anything for a prize. Um, and then we cut the two guys uh, I in the sea fort. Yeah. Complaining about, I don't know, everything. Uh, then they hear weird noises and they get attacked by something. Yeah. I mean, they're they're sitting around playing cards, bitching about the work conditions, which fucking feel that. <laughs> for real. Don't let the man get you down. It's like, oh, man, everything would be better if we were in charge. And then we could... I feel like I'm skipping ahead a little bit. I'm not sure. But at one point, it's, you know, it's revealed that the master is in control of the prison and everything. And he basically has everybody at his beck and call and he can get whatever he wants. And at one point, like, he asks for a new TV. And then it cuts over to the master and he's watching the TV. And it seems like he's watching some sort of children's show. Like thinking it's real he's like it seems to be some interesting intelligent life form and then trenchard looks at tv and looks at the master's like it's a puppet it's just for kids (laughs) and master's like oh (laughs) (laughs) which which was funny and i'll bet the joke landed even better if you were an actual child in the 70s (laughs) 
See, the master was just plain stupid to keep Treasure's mind loose for his masterful 4D chess move of asking the doctor for help later in the episode. Uh, yeah, I sent you this text and I checked. It's kind of funny. The master's been in six episodes so far. He has asked the doctor for help in four of them. Not because he needs the Not doctor's because he help. needs him, of course. But he just wants it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then the doctor goes over to the naval base because he wants to find out more about the uh, about the attacks that have been happening. He's basically taken captive and uh, is being interrogated by the captain. And the captain demands to see his IDs because he, the doctor claims to be from unit. And the doctor says he doesn't bother carrying around his IDs because it's all bureaucratic nonsense. And while I do respect that... <laughs> It is also very dumb that the captain is still answering all of his questions without any proof that he is from Unit. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, ah, I understand paperwork's a bitch. Anyways, here's all our top secret files. (laughs) He was more like, hang on, I have to go make a phone call to verify it. He's like, yes, uh, someone's here. He says he's the doctor. No, he doesn't have an ID. He says he doesn't need it. Uh, Was he condescending? Yes. Okay, that's him. Okay, you're good to go. (laughs) I did speak to someone named the Brigadier, and and he said to give you full reign of the entire facility. He also wanted me to give you a message. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> At the sea fort, one of the guys was, like, attacked and killed. And then the doctor and Joe get to the sea fort, and the cliffhanger is like, <gasps> something's coming towards us. And it's, like, in kind of silhouette, like you don't really see it. And it's like that couldn't be more obviously the other maintenance guy. Like if you wanted to look, make it look like a sea devil, you picked the wrong guy because that has a very different silhouette than the weird ass fish people. The person who got killed by the sea devil had the better silhouette. It kind of, yeah, yeah. And then I note that this episode has a very much a six part pace to it. That is to say, it's very slow. It's very slow. Boy, howdy, did nothing fucking happen the whole time. It will continue to have a six-episode pace. <laughs> yep, and it does that six-episode pace thing where all the interesting stuff happens in the last two episodes, and it feels very rushed. Yep. Anyway, episode <laughs> two. <laughs> the thing shambling towards them is another crewman ranting about sea devils. The Doctor creates a transmitter from a transistor radio to call for help. They are then chased by a real sea devil, but the doctor manages to injure it and scare it off. During all of this, the master tries to escape from the island. The doctor and Joe confront Trenchard, who shows them the master in his cell. Still not convinced, the doctor snoops around and encounters the master. The two end up fighting, with the doctor overpowering the master. Pissed about this, the master throws a knife at him. That little fight scene is like six minutes. It's easily a quarter of the episode. That fight scene went on for a while. Anyway, (laughs) we'll get to that. This maintenance guy is weirdly ready to bash in the first humans he sees. Like, he comes in the room, notices that these are not the sea devils, and then continues to try and attack them with the wrench. My my headcanon is they're complaining because these guys have been the only maintenance people down there for literally months. And their food and cigarettes and playing cards are lowered down in a bucket. I'm just saying, dude, count the gills. Zero. We're not one of them. I... <laughs> I... I loved this moment. It was strangely adorable. The doctor was going through the fort to see if he could find this devil that the guy was talking about. And he goes down the stairs and he turns the corner. And at the same time, the sea devil turns the corner. And (laughs) 
<laughs> and the doctor looks surprised, and then the sea devil just like has this step back, just like, huh. <laughs> it's kind of cute. <laughs> My next note is here's Johnny, because the sea devil just keeps like melting down doors, and I just wanted him to just like stick his head in. <laughs> Which he kinda tries to. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the doctor just keeps shutting doors and the sea devil just keeps melting through them. I don't know when he thought it was gonna work. And then it spent a long time uh, focusing on the doctor trying to fix the radio so he could contact the naval base so he could get picked up. And he finally gets connected with somebody and he asks Joe what the call sign is for this place. And she like goes over to the radio station and like, I forget what the call sign is, but I was genuinely surprised that their call sign wasn't Whiskey Hotel Oscar. Because that just seems like the kind of pun that this show would pull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it turns out he didn't actually need to uh, fix the radio because the naval base was already concerned and was already sending over a helicopter to come pick them up. Which begs the question, why did we spend five minutes of this fucking episode focusing on the doctor fixing the radio? <laughs> because it's a six-parter, Mac. <laughs> okay. We, we get to, finally, man, finally, I, you are acknowledging the pain I endure I, every single fucking week we do this. I have always acknowledged it, Caleb. I just have more tolerance for it than you do. <laughs> Look, I have knowledge, knowledge that must never be spoken, knowledge that would make parasite gods blaze, but I am tempted to tell you, would you like to know how many more six-parters there are total? <sighs> yeah, fuck it. Tell me. Keeping in mind that the last six-parter is two-thirds of the way through the fourth Doctor, who has the most number of Classic Who episodes, there are exactly 14 six-parters left. <gasps> oh my the god, four parter, The four-parters vastly outnumber the six-parters. I just want you to keep that in mind. Oh my god. <laughs> How long are we going to be with the fourth Doctor? A while. <laughs> a while. <laughs> Look, he has the most number of classic episodes by a wide margin. I will just say that. 14 fucking episodes. Aren't we supposed to start New Who in like a year and a half? I had a count when I was like, I was like writing down when ep each episode was going to be published. But then uh, we had enough hiatuses that I just kind of chucked all of that. Because it seemed stupid to keep track of it. Fair enough. Uh, so, at this point, no. I have no idea when we're going to be in New Who. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And, and so, okay. So the Doctor figures out that the Sea Devils are of the same species as the Silurians. They're just an aquatic variation. And he yeah, he half-assedly makes the same argument as he did the Silurians. Like, hey, these people have a right to the planet, too. And we can achieve peace between the two races. We don't have to, we don't have to fight. The difference here being, at this point, we don't know if there are any hibernating innocent sea devils somewhere. As of this moment, we can only assume that the sea devils are hostile. They've done nothing to imply that they have any interest in being peaceful. Doctor Who and the Silurians and the sea devils, the episodes, I'm kind of having a bit of a flip-flop in terms of argument. Because... I'm all, you know me, I'm always on board with finding a peaceful solution. I just feel like the combat is a lot more inevitable in this story than it was in the first one. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and there there isn't the element of like in the Silurians, there were Silurians who wanted to negotiate and they didn't agree with the more aggressive Yeah. Actions of their leaders. But in this one, no, the sea devils just go hard. They just come out and start blasting. Yeah. Sea devils just start attacking regardless and at one point later in the story, the doctor does come forward with the, hey, let's do peace. And one of them is like, hmm, maybe. And then he's very quickly convinced, no, don't do peace. So, like, the sea devils seem to have a different vibe than the Silurians, is my point. Yeah. And then uh, the master is brought to the sea, the uh, naval base, to, like, pick up some parts or whatever that he needed for his machine. And... He's, like, in disguise as a naval officer, and he's walking around. He goes to the... It's not an armory. What's, what? Where, where does he go? It's kind of like an army. I mean, there's guns and swords. There's just kind of a bunch of weird technological shit just kind of sitting on shelves. And then he heads back to uh, the car that Trenchard was uh, smuggling in. And Joe looks out the window and sees him. Sees the master. And she like calls the doctor over and said and says it's the master and then he goes over and looks out and master is gone and joe swears that she saw him and thank god thank god they didn't you were just seeing things her i would have been so pissed (laughs) (laughs) look how far we've come (laughs) they didn't just immediately dismiss her (laughs) and okay i'm again the master doesn't seem to know Maybe he's already tried the mind control, and maybe maybe the mind control really doesn't work on the prison guards. But he goes back to the prison, and then he calls one of the guards in, who, as far as I know, is basically on the master's payroll. And then he knocks the guard out and takes his gun. Why not just tell him to give him the gun? Does he have control of the guards or not? <laughs> <laughs> I have to know. I have to understand why the master is doing this. Mac, it's the rule of cool. Would it have been cooler for the master to ask for the gun politely? Or would it have been cooler for him to do his little over-the-head, like, awkward shoulders punch? It would have been cooler for him to do the mind-control eye contact thing, and then the guy just kind of, like, in a daze, just hands over his pistol. That's what would have been cooler. They didn't do that. (laughs) What would have been cooler was a consistent story structure. (laughs) consistent story structures are always cool (laughs) but the doctor is just like all right well let's go ahead and uh nip this in the bud he goes over to the prison and master pulls a gun on him the doctor leaves the uh master's prison cell and then the master kind of like slowly wanders out into the hall doctor kicks his gun away and then grabs two rapiers just off the wall yep then they start doing a sword fight. And credit to these guys, they seem to know how to do a sword fight, like a fencing sword fight, fairly well. It's just that this sword fight goes on for fucking ever. And then at one point, he disarms the master and like is holding his uh, sword up to his throat and is just like gloating, basically, and like grabbing the sandwich that was on the master's plate, like eats it in front of him. And then dips down and tosses the master back his sword. So then they continue the fight. I'm like, what did you... You had him dead to rights. What the fuck? Why did you toss him his sword back? 
Because it wasn't done, man. <sighs> I haven't had a good swashbuckling in a while, and I want to continue this. Basically, he's bored on Earth. <laughs> I guess. He's born in 1971. No one swashbuckles anymore. <laughs> Why couldn't it have been 1871? I could have gotten people to swashbuckle back then. <laughs> and then the master uh, takes part in what will uh, prove to be one of the most hilarious cliffhangers that this show has had so far. On that note, I'm ready for episode three. <laughs> episode three, baby. We redo the whole fight scene for some reason, and the doctor narrowly dodges being skewered with a knife. Trencher locks up the doctor, but Joe manages to escape before they can catch her as well. The doctor spends a long time trying to convince Trencher to let him go, but Joe eventually sneaks in and frees him. The master and Trencher chase after them, and the doctor and Joe find, find themselves pinned between the master, a minefield, and a sea devil emerging from the water. Yup, that, that's it. That's yep, all that happens. That's it. Episode four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go through the entire fucking sword fight again. The whole, like, the moment from, like, the doctor, like, walking into the room and seeing the master with the gun. Like, literally the whole fucking thing. The whole thing. thing. And it was just, it was so frustrating to watch. It was just so good. They wanted to see it again. I guess. And then, as I said, the cliffhanger was fucking hilarious because the, the master, like, took a knife out of his boot and, like threw it at the doctor's at the doctor's head um he missed <laughs> completely <laughs> that was it he missed the knife whack, went into the wall next to the doctor <laughs> that was that's how they resolved that cliffhanger it was kind of <laughs> hilarious and the the guards are um i forget i forget what the context is i feel like the guards are either not allowing joe to leave or the guards are, like, roughly escorting her somewhere else. Either way, Joe fucking, like, elbows one of them and runs for it, which I was, which my note is, hell yeah, Joe, kick their asses. Go back and finish the job. <laughs> and then I realize, wait, is Twinchard willingly working for the Master? Because he seems to have a whole lot of, he seems to be questioning the Master a lot and having a whole lot of opinions, and the Master's not doing anything about any of that. So I guess he's doing it willingly. My note after that is, oh no, the halfway point. But then we get this long uh, sequence that I actually really like of uh, Secret Agent Joe doing her thing. Because it's just like, no one's going to be able to sneak in here. This fortress is impregnable. And Joe Grant just over here like, what, like it's hard? (laughs) (laughs) Basically. And her fucking snazzy white outfit. And her fucking snazzy white suit. I fucking love it. <laughs> and then my last note is, okay, let's see. The doctor getting captured and then escaping. The sub being attacked. The master finishing a communication device. Am I missing anything? Is that all? Okay, moving on. <laughs> this episode could have been an email. Yep, literally. This whole fucking episode is horrible. <laughs> Um, I think it's the worst episode of the six. Oh, easily. Easily. And only one of them I would debate is good at all. Yeah. I mean, this episode has Joe making the prison her own prison bitch. But other than that, there's really nothing going on in this episode. And nothing's kind of happening at all. And also, it spends a lot of time focusing on the master finishing this communication device. And in about an episode and a half, you're going to find out that that communication device was 
absolutely worthless and a waste of goddamn time. Much like the rest of this fucking story. <laughs> On that note, episode four. I think that's the fastest one we've ever done in an episode. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we've had one where you did the you did the recap and then we were like genuinely have nothing to say let's just go on to the next one <laughs> oh, episode four joan and doctor run narrowly avoiding being killed by the monsters the master is summoning the doctor uses mines to repel the sea devils while investigating the disappearance of the naval submarines i don't know why i fucking wrote it like that uh we also learned that the doctor thinks the sea devils are an evolutionary offshoot of the silurians which i think we learned earlier i just forgot when that happened and put it in somewhere <laughs> While the Master wreaks havoc with his new friends on the Sea Devils, the Doctor boards the ship and uses a diving bell to go down and learn more about the Sea Devils. However, when they pull it up, the bell is empty. Now, Episode 3 was a drag, and debate most definitely the worst episode in the story. This is a close second. I didn't like this episode either. Yeah. God. This episode was, was pretty slow as well. Um, I do like how the Doctor is all like, we need to find a peaceful solution with them. Blowing up landmines in their face is fine, though. And he just, like, pulls out a sonic screwdriver and and blows up mines that are close to the Sea Devil. And the Sea Devil goes running. We need to find a peaceful solution. Collectively. Like, in general, we need to find a peaceful solution. <laughs> in general, we need to find a peaceful solution. However, case-by-case bases are, are different. Case-by-case <laughs> bases? Death, 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 death. <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then, and then yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. This this is showing you how little I actually had to talk about this episode because um, they get back to the naval base and Joe asked for some food and the captain's secretary comes in and gives her some gives her some food and the doctor is like, Joe, really, this is no this is no picnic, and he takes the plate away and then continues talking to the captain and just like eating her food as he's talking and it's like. <laughs> You fucking dick. Why did you do that? That's such a dick the move. The doctor is such a piece of shit. I love it. I love I love the doctor and his like raging narcissist era. Era. <laughs> era. Maybe, maybe I'm crazy, but I'm hoping you notice this too. I swear to God, they kept using the one same actor to play all of the prison guards. I kept thinking that too. I was like, that's the same fucking guy. Because the sea devils start attacking the prison and two guards like start getting into a gunfight and they get blasted down pretty quickly. And then the sea devils continue and then they run into another guard. And I swear to God, that guard is one of the ones that just died. (laughs) (laughs) It's something we run into a lot because like there's all I don't know if it's because they're British or what, but a lot of them do run together to me. But in this sequence particularly, it does seem like they're the same. He had a very distinct mustache and I swear is the same one. And anytime they've had a guard have to go into like the master's cell, it was always this guy too. There's a couple characters who are uh, in the Navy and they have like mutton chops. Mm -hmm. I cannot tell if they're the same person or not because like there's like three distinct roles of people with mutton chops. I don't think they're the same person, but they look the same. (laughs) It's hard to say. So Captain Hart and the doctor take an entire troop of men to go to the prison because they they are suspecting uh, Trenchard at this point of colluding with the master. So they take this entire troop over to the prison and then find the guards dead 
and then they just immediately go back to the naval base. And I'm like, did you need to scramble the troops to go over and check <laughs> on the prison? Feels like overkill to me. And also, feel like we could cut that entire scene. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they storm the beach, they'll jump out with their guns out, and they're like, oh man, we missed it. <laughs> it, just, it just feels like they could have stayed at the naval base and then gotten word that everybody at the prison is dead and the master has escaped. Mac is slowly catching on to almost all the scenes are pointless. You see this as if I haven't been watching the show too. Like I, I'm very much aware of the show's slow pace and sometimes I'm okay with it. Sometimes I'm not. <laughs> you know why I honestly kept thinking the whole time that through this whole story, I was just like, remember enemy of the world. We're going to be looking back on Enemy of the World. <laughs> oh my god. So much. Like, I almost kind of hate Enemy of the World because it almost gave you hope that maybe all six-parters will be like this. Enemy of the World just makes the six-parters sting all the more because you know it could be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh. I'm... Uh, I might go back and watch Enemy of the World. I'm not going to lie. Hey, like, I have it on DVD. If you ever want to come over and we'll just, like, make some popcorn <laughs> and watch Enemy of the World, I'm 100% down. <laughs> Brittany, Brittany has told me that of all the episodes that we've talked about, Enemy of the World is the one that she's like, you know, I think I might watch that one. <laughs> <laughs> you should, Brittany. You should watch that one. It's so good. <laughs> uh so episode five then yeah so episode five the doctor goes down in the bound then he doesn't come back up uh episode five the doctor is captured by the sea devils and he tries to negotiate peace between mankind and them but the master insists he is not to be trusted some politician fuck named walker arrives arrives to solve the sinking ship problem by blowing everything to hell the doctor convinces the sea devils to consider diplomacy but the negotiations are disrupted by Walker's attack, and the Master convinces the Sea Devils to attack a naval base in retaliation. The Doctor escapes and rescues one of the missing submarine crews along the way. The Doctor manages to escape and scolds Walker for his brash behavior. Then the Sea Devils arrive and are ready to fuck some shit up. This is the episode where the Sea Devils start talking, and I have two questions in regards to that. One, why did it take them so long to talk? And two... If they can talk, why did the master spend so long making a communication device? <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, God, there's so many parts that you could so easily cut out of this and make it four parts, four episodes. And I think that's the most frustrating part, is seeing the obvious filler and, like, knowing that it could be pared down without losing anything. Yeah, surprise note, everyone. It could have been four episodes. <laughs> That's that should be the that should be the tagline of the fucking podcast. A quick trip through space and time. It could have been four episodes. <laughs> Anyways, guys, go to our spring tea store and buy our t-shirt. <laughs> it could have been four episodes. Uh, and then I'm like, yeah, let's cram the conflict of the Silurians into the last third, shall we? Because we're like, oh man, are they gonna blow up the sea devils? Are the sea devils going to attack the humans? Who knows? Even though the sea devils have already been attacking humans. <laughs> <laughs> the humans could very easily make the argument that they started it. 
Yeah, we they have actual literal proof of that. I'm just saying. And not like and not like one rogue sea devil. Like literally all of them have been doing yeah. it the whole time. They've been sending squads up to sink these boats. Like <laughs> They're also like way less like even though like so in this episode the doctor does kind of like start to open them up to it. They're like, "Oh, okay, if we could have the sea and the humankind could have land, we might be able to work that out." But really up until that point, the sea devils are just straight up like no, we don't care. We don't like you, and we don't want you around. I do really like in the scene. I don't know what this is supposed to be. In the scene where the doctor and the master are basically both making their cases of whether you should work with the humans or kill all of them, it's just a very moral choice from Fable. Yeah. <laughs> you should either work peacefully with the humans or slaughter all of them. The doctor is like making his case. And the sea devil leader is like, hmm, yes, you may be right. And, like, he puts his hand over the doctor's head and is just like, I sense no ill will from this creature. And then he, like, agrees to work with the humans. And then the doctor, like, puts up his hand and the sea devil, like, puts up his hand and they have, like, a Tarzan and Jane moment. I wanted Phil (laughs) Collins to start playing in the background. I really wanted the sea devil to say, I am now pregnant with your child. (laughs) Our races will know peace because they will become one. And then the doctor will say, this is really awkward. I'm not human. (laughs) I really just wanted it to just be, put your faith in what you most believe in. Two worlds, one family. Fuck, now I want to watch Tarzan. It's a good movie. <laughs> Why? We should be watching Tarzan instead of this. What the fuck? <laughs> then the sea devil is like, yes, okay. We will now negotiate peace with the humans. And then they attack the sea devil base. And they're like, ah, the humans have betrayed us. I'm like, asshole. You decided to make peace with the humans 10 seconds ago. They did not know that you wanted to negotiate peace. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) I'm just saying it didn't take a whole lot of convincing for him to go back to the genocide route. I'm just throwing that out there. Are you almost saying, Mac, that maybe they deserved it? No, I'm not saying that, Caleb. (laughs) Go fuck yourself. And also, side note, why didn't you do the mind-reading head-pat thing to the master, because then you would have been like, oh, this dude's trying to use us. Fuck this guy. Like, instantly. That should be that should be your go-to move anytime you meet anyone new. It's like, is this guy trying to be evil? Yeah, alright, I'm not gonna trust you. Do I have anything else to say about this episode? Uh, not really. It is hilarious how instantly they're like, we have been betrayed. We will slaughter them all. Yeah, I really don't know if I have anything else. I feel like the doctor says something that made me laugh in this part. But I don't remember if it was this episode or the next episode. There's one thing that I do I do think is hilarious. Have someone take a second look at your scripts. I'm begging you. So they attack the sea devils, and the sea devils are like, we must retaliate immediately. And the master is like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. They're already starting to leave because they think they've won. Let them think that they've won. Try to lay low a little bit, and then you can attack them with the element of surprise when they think you're dead. 
also, there's some stuff from the military base that I need to steal, so I'm going to need you to attack the military base right now. In the same scene, he suggests that they lay low, and then also, hey, we need to attack the military base. Pick a lane, master. I know I just insulted the the script writing. They did a really good job of making me hate this walker guy. Oh, fuck this walker guy. Pretty much instantly. Because he just comes in and just, like, starts taking off his hat and coat and just immediately handing it to whatever woman is close by and then immediately telling them to um, get him some tea and some food uh, and says, oh, and by the way, we're going to do a nuclear strike just off the coast and all of you can sit there and watch me do it because I'm in charge now. Fuck you. And the camera kept zooming in while he was eating and it was really unnerving. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, he doesn't die and I wish that he did. Uh, yeah, especially because, like, in the next episode, because, like, he comes in acting all big and tough, and then surprise, in the next episode, when shit goes wrong, he kind of instantly turns into, like, a sniveling coward. Yeah. Which I, I love that dynamic. Wish it ended with him dying. Yes. He should have died. For my own amusement, if nothing else. Uh, yeah, Walker's a real piece of shit. I hate that he's right for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Props to this guard for being the worst guard ever because the the sea devils are beginning their attack on the military base and there's this one guard who's just like on patrol and he goes out and he's like looking about and then he looks over to his right and then a sea devil comes on his left and then instantly knocks him out and I'm like, did you not notice them? (laughs) They were close enough to instantly attack you. You had to have seen them. No, it's important to note, he wasn't just, like, on patrol and, like, looking around. Like, he lo- he looks around, and a sea devil rises out of the water. And then he turns, and there's more sea devils right out of the water. And then he gets attacked. Yeah. He's literally just sitting there watching, and he's like, hmm, that's probably not good. They don't pay me enough to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you, dude. Because, uh, also, if I was on patrol, and I saw these things come out, I was like, it's not my fucking pay grade to survive this. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, just shoot me. Listen, I know I joined the Navy, but I did not sign up for this Innsmouth shit, alright? <laughs> not... <laughs> just count me out however you have to. I draw my line at Lovecraft, okay? And then episode six happens. And then episode six happens. The Doctor fights the Sea Devils, but is captured. Surprise, surprise, the Master needs his help to make a machine to wake up all the other Sea Devils. Joe and the others are captured and don't really do much the rest of the time. Once the two have the machine up and running, the Sea Devils imprison both of them. Oh my god, he said it. The Doctor (laughs) reveals he reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, which is going to be real bad for them if they don't escape. But they do escape, and there is a big explosion that kills all the Sea Devils. The moral of the story is don't trust lizard monsters, and that any conversation with them will end in genocide. The Master already is on shaky ground in terms of how intimidating he is. Based on just the frequency in which they've used him, he's on even shakier ground with how much he has to depend on the doctor to help. To do anything. To do fucking anything. It's difficult to see him as like an equal to the doctor when the doctor has to save his ass like every other episode. The master is the embodiment of, look, I'm an ideas guy. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Joe gets over to where the doctor is being held captive i guess is helping air quote the master and 
<laughs> the Doctor and Joe basically have this moment of like, all right, initiate plan Alpha Sigma, go! <laughs> and the Joe and Joe goes over to um, wait to uh, break all the other soldiers out, and the Doctor was like, "You won't be able to miss my signal." He presses a button on the device, and it like makes all of the Sea Devils just like ah, like have a huge migraine, and then Joe breaks everybody out of prison. It's really cool. And I like that this dependence on Joe has remained consistent. I dare to dream <laughs> that this will continue to remain consistent. We can only hope, but we do have the 80s to go through, so. And also, apparently, Joe is just a hovercraft pilot, which is neat. Because they escape from the base, and uh, they're like, they were, we're trapped. And she's like, no, we're not. And they go into a hovercraft, and she pilots them to safety. I'm like... Cool. I didn't know she could do that. <laughs> Just a spy. She can do anything in a moment's notice. And then, like, I guess they go to get reinforcements, and then they come back, and they basically have a reenactment of Normandy, because the hovercraft comes up, and then they just start filing out and start shooting at sea devils, and then Joe comes out. And I'm like, Joe, stay on the ship. Why are you running out into the middle of this firefight? Be their getaway driver. <laughs> <laughs> Your job is to stay in the car. And then the master and the doctor work on this device, which is going to wake up the other sea devils, which is in no way or shape or form related to that time they were going to wake up all the Silurians. Mm -hmm. And the, so the soldiers are retaking the base, right? And they go into this armory thing where the doctor and the master are being held. And then the doctor like reveals who he is and tells the soldier to keep an eye on the master. And I'm like, Doctor, at this point, why are you leaving anyone alone at the Master? He can control minds, you fucking dumbass. Because exactly what you think is going to happen, happens. And the guard gets subdued and knocked out by the Master. And I'm not sure why he knocked him out. He had him under control. Anyway... Maybe just consider this mech. Maybe the master just likes doing it. Maybe he just likes knocking people out. I guess. I guess he likes to get his hands dirty. And then they have a sweet-ass jet ski chase. <laughs> the jet ski chase. <laughs> oh, when I watch this, uh, at this point, I didn't even think it was real anymore. I'm like, I have to be fucking asleep or something. There's no <laughs> way I'm watching a fucking jet ski chase in Doctor Who. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was so stupid. I loved it. <laughs> it was. It was very stupid. <laughs> and then I guess the doctor gets... They they both wash up on shore. Like, maybe it's a different shore. I don't know. But there were a bunch of sea devils there. And then they get taken down to the base. And after they're finished with the machine, the, the sea devils are like, All right, cool. Well, thank, thank you both. I really appreciate it. Uh, you're both being thrown into prison and we're going to execute you both. Anyway, bye. Bye. And then while they're in the prison, the doctor reveals that he reversed the polarity of the neutron flow. And the thing's going to blow. The thing's going to overcharge their, their power generators and destroy this entire base. And again, this is <laughs> Silurians 2 electric boogaloo. This is exactly how he solved it in the last time. It's like, Yep, I'm overloading the reactor. We're all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie doopsie. But the doctor and the master managed to escape from their cell, and gosh, wouldn't you know it? 
The exact equipment they need to escape from the base is right outside their cell door. Wow. What are the chances? And then they get away. There's a big, a huge explosion. Huge explosion. And then the doctor and the master are both rescued and taken on board the, the ship. And uh, they wash ashore and the doctor stupidly leaves the master alone with these people again because the master's like pretended is like oh i'm having a heart attack or whatever it is you humans have and so they come to get the master and to like take him to a hospital but it's not the master on the gurney it's someone wearing a master mask that is under the control of the master this is the second time the master has just had a mask of his own face <laughs> on hand. <laughs> you never know when it will come in handy. In his defense, it's come handy twice. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the master's got a point. <laughs> and then, like, he kind of, like, laughs and is... He's also apparently a hovercraft pilot, and he just fucking takes off. And we'll never see him again. Never. I'm going to relook at my rankings because it was another one of those situations in which the more we talked about it, the more I was um, like, I think I hate this episode. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I was kind of middling on it, but I was like, hmm, maybe I don't like this episode. I will say the it could have been very interesting because having, having a Silurian's two electric boogaloo but making the doctor pull the trigger on genociding all of them could have been very interesting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because the doctor was mad before because the brigadier just kind of did it without asking him or mm-hmm. flagrantly ignoring him. Yeah. But now the doctor was kind of put in a situation where he doesn't believe in killing entire races of people, but he feels like he has to to protect humanity. That could have been a really interesting moral dilemma. If it wasn't crammed into the last 10 minutes of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Just throw it onto the pile of stories that could have been really cool. If they just even tried to do it right. Okay, so I'm not moving it on my list because the episode immediately below it. Well, you know, I'm actually. Yeah, I'm going to move some stuff around right now. It is now my fourth least favorite. Because, like, the one directly below it is the Mind of Evil. I'm like, eh, the Mind of Evil was worse. Yeah. But that being said, I did move Inferno up, so now it's my fifth least favorite. <laughs> That's tough. It's it's tough. Gosh, which one's the worst one? It's hard to tell. Pretty firmly, my bottom two are Claws of Axos and Colony in Space. Yeah. I'm pretty firm in those two at the moment. Yeah. Claws of Axos, for sure. I don't know. Do I like... Do I, is there anything I dislike more than Colony in Space? Stay tuned for the Doctor's Out when I finally <laughs> fucking decide that. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, it's not that I want to hurry up and finish with this Doctor. But I think the Doctor is Out has been, like, my favorite episodes to record. Those ones have oh, been so much fun. 100%. They are fun to record. So, I uh, we might be coming up on one soon. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Mac does, but... I mean, I do. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, howdy. I have nothing else to say about this episode. Yeah, this episode has a surprising num- amount of trivia, though. So I'll go ahead and get to it. So, <clears throat> Barry Letts tried to get the Navy to help out with the filming of this episode. And they were 
surprisingly enthusiastic about it. Most of the extra extras who played Navy soldiers were on-duty Navy soldiers. Hmm. Yeah. This is the only time the Doctor says the full line, reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. Despite this, it goes on to become his most iconic line for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> the director, Michael Bryant, provided the voice of the radio DJ in episode two. This is actually the last story to show the Doctor wearing his original outfit. Like the black and the cape. Really? Yep. This is another one of the ten episodes to never feature the TARDIS. Silurian's Mind of Evil and Daemons were the other ones. I'm noticing a trend of when these episodes appear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, given how this... Given, like, the context of this Doctor so far, of being strengthened on Earth, it makes sense that he's kind of front-loaded with, yeah. all, with all this, because the TARDIS doesn't really come up when he's stranded on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're going to love this one. Okay, so after the show aired, MI5 came to the studio to ask about how they came up with the model of the submarine that was used. The production had used a normal model submarine, but replaced the rotor with like a vacuum cleaner part because the original didn't really look seaworthy. And apparently this looked so close to a top secret submarine design that they had been developing that they accidentally recreate it and they were worried that national secrets had been leaked. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Whoops. Just accidentally committed light treason on Doctor Who. <laughs> Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> I sure hope the Russians aren't watching. <laughs> the stunt actor Stuart Fell nearly drowned when he fell <laughs> over in the water and his Sea Devil costume filled up with water. Yikes. Yeah. John Pertwee injured his ribs during filming when he uh, dived forward and then fell on his sonic screwdriver that was in his breast pocket. Ugh. The script originally called for a speedboat chase, but uh, John Pertwee suggested jet skis. Because jet skis are cooler. <laughs> jet skis are cooler. <laughs> Nicholas Courtney was on holiday, thus the lack of unit in this story. In episode one, the script called for climbing up a ladder to get to the sea fort, uh, but the ladder was too slippery for Katie Manning, so that same stunt actor from before, Stuart Fell, did the climb for her dressed as Joe. Must have been a petite guy. I guess so. Almost the entire production crew came down with seasickness at some point during filming, except for John Pertwee, due to his history in the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> John Pertwee just sounds cool. He sounds like a cool guy. I can also just imagine being like, hmm, speedboats would be cool, but you know what I'd really want to do? A jet ski. You know, I've never ridden a jet ski before. I've always wanted to. And I feel like the perfect time to start is on set when we're filming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which you can see because he gets absolutely fucking drenched during that scene. Yeah. Final thoughts are, boy howdy, it was an episode, and I experienced it and i think i enjoyed that experience less after talking about it yeah my thesis still stands it feels like they took the silurians cut out the epidemic subplot didn't replace it with anything and this six-parter feels like it could have been a three-parter yeah i do really like the design of the sea devils that is a point in its favor i think the whole concept of the moral con quandary of doing the silurians again but making the doctor kill them could have been very interesting. It just wasn't. 
Let me introduce you to my three friends, Kuda, Wuda, and Shuda. And yeah, this episode was just kind of, it's one of those stories that's just, at the best of times, it's boring. All other times, it seems like it's either a copy-paste of the Silurians or just dumb. <laughs> Not really anything at all. A lot of the episode is the Master or the Doctor fixing a radio. <sighs> Again, with each passing story, this makes me want to like do the do the edits. I'm like taking entire stories and cutting them down to one 45-minute episode. I was thinking about this earlier today. I was like, that one... If and when we actually do start a Patreon for a quick trip, I think that would be a cool reward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just kind of struggling. John Pertwee's Doctor is my favorite Doctor. Story-wise, I think it's my least favorite right now. I think I like the first Doctor's stories more than I like the third Doctor's. I don't blame you, because at, at this point in the first Doctor, uh, we had already had Dalek Invasion of Earth, Keys of Marinus, and the Aztecs. Like, we had some banger episodes. Third Doctor has had the Curse of Peladon and also kind of the Terror of the Autons. But, like, we haven't had any Hell Yeah episodes yet. Mm-hmm. We also haven't had any, like, rage-inducing episodes yet. Yeah, we haven't had any, like, the Romans yet. We haven't had any the Romans or the Space Pirates or Web Planets yet. Yeah, they're just kind of... Meh. I mean, Terror of the Autons was fine. Terror the Autons was good. I mean, I'd say the only one that's been, like, really good good has been um, the Curse of Peladon. I think you like Curse of Peladon more than I did. And, yeah, I was I was just about to say. And that's one that I like more than you did. There's been some cool moments. Like, I really love the fucking Ambassadors of Death when they're walking and, like, they're shooting at them and the Ambassadors are just blowing shit up with their hands. That was yeah. cool. Yeah. The rest of the episode sucked, though. Well, that's also the episode that had the... The like the car chases and all the awesome scenes with Liz and in, in the bunker and also oh, I forget his name, but it also had that really cool I just love killing guy oh, yeah. <laughs> that I really enjoyed. But yeah, all I'm about to say is like the third Doctor's episodes so far have been like middling on average. Yeah, and yeah, I just want to watch Enemy of the World again. <laughs> I mean, we can watch Enemy of the World again. I don't mind <laughs> watching Enemy of the World. I have it on DVD. We can watch it with commentary if you want. <laughs> My God. The possibilities are endless. Well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to support us, the best thing you can do is give us five stars and tell your friends about us. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram at Quick Trip Podcast. You can also check out Mac's YouTube channel, Mac the Ma, where they do insightful videos about video games. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time, in which we watch another episode that is an allegory for British politics in The Mutants. Oh, God. I'm not going to lie to you, Caleb. I was struggling to come up with what to say for the send-off for this one. <laughs>